WAV episode 440, the free edition. Uh, this week on the show, we introduced the Gladys Graph and the Napoleon line. We talk about our stocks of the week, NHC and CVW, the doom and gloom in the global markets, and how to use QAV to stay sane, the MYR collapse, how to calculate the sell line for SDG post-dividend, and the charts for AMI and BSE, which are fairly tricky. So, without any further ado, let's get into it. Uh, <clears throat> welcome back to QAV TK. This is episode 440, recorded on the 4th of October, 3 p.m. Sydney time. Uh, how's Gladys going this week, mate? Well, she's not fronting up to any press conferences, that's for sure. Like <laughs> <laughs> Jack said, Gladys, you told us you weren't going to do any more daily press conferences. You've been doing daily press conferences. We're going to Corruption. investigate you. Corruption. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was yeah, shocking. she's gone. Yeah. Very dramatic. And I wonder whether she had to resign, but anyway, that's for yeah. her, I suppose. Well, then never a dull day yeah. in New South Wales. No, and John Barillaro's gone now too, and so is, what's his name, Mr. Constance, one of yeah. the masters. Cleaning the cupboards. Yes, clearing the decks. I cack serious? Holy shit. <laughs> Why did we buy them off or something? I thought we I thought we had an arrangement. Uh, that was big the question if they – if they leave Parliament, are they under the jurisdiction of ICAC anymore? Don't know. Question for the lawyers. Yes. Let's get straight into it, Tony. Stocks of the week. What do you want to talk about this week? I want to talk about coal, dirty. Dirty, dirty coal. Producing coal, yes. Mm. Yeah, well, uh, it's been on the rise as we've seen from its commodities graph, but uh, after doing a download on the weekend, our stock of the week is New Hope Coal which is back on our buy list following its latest results. Well, tell me all about New Hope Coal. Tony, why should I have hope for coal? Really, at this stage, I don't have a lot of hope for coal. This is episode four, A New Hope, The New Hope Coal. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> As people know, the underlying commodity price is good for coal. I was asked a question about uh, two or three weeks ago, should we be buying commodity stocks even if they're not on the buy list, if their underlying commodities are going up? And uh, I thought it's worth trying, but we don't have to now because New Hope is back on the list and it has a QAV score of 0.12 and its share price has been going up quite quickly. So getting quick, people, it may not be around for much longer if the share price keeps rising a lot. It may disappear off the buy list. So if you want to buy a a well-priced quality coal company, uh, NHC, is the one. Price to operating cash flow is getting up on the high end. It's actually 6.94 when I did the analysis. And that was done at a share price of $2.47 this morning, being Monday the 4th. So it could uh, disappear quickly. But it does have a quality score of 86%, which is quite strong. Dividend is 4.5%, which is, again, quite high for the market. And it goes ex-dividend on the 25th of October. So if you're buying it now, it will go ex-dividend on the 25th, so a couple of weeks. It may drop in price, but I'm not saying you should wait around till the 25th to, and buy that price drop. I'm likely to buy it this week because a couple of my stocks that I own have either just crossed the sell line or are getting very close to crossing a sell line. And this would probably be the stock I bought next because it does have a high average daily trade. Just can't see the figure at the moment, but certainly quite high. It doesn't score on the owner-founder metric in our checklist. However, it does have 50% ownership either directly or indirectly by the Milner Company. And for people who don't know Rob Milner, he is the chairman of a listed investment company called Washington Soul Pattinson's. 
and New Hope Coal was a, an investment by that listed investment company, which was spun out on its own when it got big enough to, to do so, and it's continued on since there. But Washington Souls still own a large chunk of it, and then Rob Milner is the chairman, and I think one of his sons is on the board, and they both own another percentage or so each of the shares. So they're getting up very close to 50% ownership in the company. So it doesn't score on the owner-founder because they wouldn't have founded the mine. They do have quite a bit of skin in the game, which is a good thing. So interesting about uh, Rob Miller, just as a quick tangent, he has been in the past sometimes called Australia's Warren Buffett, and I'll leave it up to listeners to uh, decide whether that's a, a valid moniker or not. But he became involved in the chemist company, Washington Solpats, and people would have seen Solpattinson chemists out there, probably in their local neighbourhoods. And the Milner Company have owned those for generations. Rob joined the board and a bit the same as Warren Buffett did with Berkshire Hathaway, said, look, I can make some more money by taking the cash thrown off by the chemist business and put it into other investments. And that's how the listed investment company took hold. And it's been pretty successful over the years as well. Getting back to the QAV score, financial health is strong and recovering in Stock Doctor. Listeners will recall that if it's a recovering financial health score, then we give it a two on the checklist. P is 21, which is a record high, so it gets a minus one for that, but kind of to be expected given that it's ramping up very quickly off a low base. Strong IV2, which people will recall is the future earnings per share over our hurdle rate. And the IV2 for this stock is $7.87 when the share price is way below that at $2.47. So it scores a, a checklist item on our checklist for being twice the IV2 price. And also too, it's not trading too high than its net tangible assets. So net equity per share is $2.10 and it's within book plus 30%. So all in all, yeah, I think it's quite an interesting investment and I'm glad to see it come back onto the buy list. You don't have any qualms about buying a coal company? I don't. We talked about this in depth last year, I think, but I think that these kinds of companies or these kinds of problems are demand, require demand-driven solutions, not supply-driven solutions. And what I mean by that is if we didn't have this coal company in Australia or if Australia stopped mining coal, it just gets picked up by somebody else around the world. The problem doesn't go away. It doesn't solve anything except you know, kill some jobs in Australia, which I don't think is a smart. I'm all for governments bringing in you know, emissions targets and emissions net zero targets by, by 2050, but that's the supply side controlling, it's not the demand side. And the way you've explained it to me in the past too is that us buying shares on the open market doesn't have any impact on the success of the business unless you're buying a new capital raising or you're getting involved in a float. New Hope Coal doesn't get any of our money mm. if we buy shares on the market. It's the person Correct. selling I'm, the shares get the money. Yeah, I'm buying shares from the person who wants to shut down coal mining. <laughs> Potentially, so. <laughs> okay, so what about a CVW, it's a small cap stock? Yeah, it's been stock of the week before, but I just wanted to make it our small cap stock of the week. It, I think it's the highest small cap on our, our buy list this week after a download. That uh, wasn't a Josephine, lots of Josephines this week. People might notice that themselves. I think for a couple of reasons on the Josephine issue that uh, it's the start of the month, so it's going to be volatile in terms of whether the share price is buy, higher or lower than the end of last month. So we knocked out a few when we were doing our download. But yeah, Clearview Wealth we spoke about before. Um, it's an insurance company. There was actually an article in the Financial Review, I think, the weekend before last, which spoke about a potential being a potential takeover target because of its insurance operations. So it's largely now an insurance business, one of the last, if not the last, originator of insurance product in Australia. All the other ones have been bought out by generally overseas companies, which is looking to consolidate. It scores highly for us and it's been going up tremendously since we first recommended it. 
Yeah. If people want to know more about CVW, they can go back and listen to our episode from a couple of weeks ago. Oh, the Pandora Papers came out today, (laughs) Tony. I think one of the biggest leaks in the history of leaks, the International Committee of Investigative Journalists published it with a whole bunch of media outlets around the world. I think it's run by an Aussie, the ICJJW, whatever it is, the LGBTQ. T-I-J-W. They do a tremendous job. And a bunch of Australians, according to the Financial Review, in uh, this latest leak with their uh, hidden offshore companies. And I didn't see your name turn up in the Financial Review. So that was <laughs> that was a relief. It is, yeah. It shouldn't be a surprise. I wouldn't imagine <laughs> this kind of stuff. I think it's absolutely ludicrous. <laughs> Everyone who engages in this kind of stuff says I would never engage in this kind of stuff except to the uh, guy in Samoa that they're <laughs> hiding their money with, <laughs> including a Westpac director who's on the committee to clean up the uh, ethics of Westpac. It was in the financial review today. Yeah, well, you're cleaning up bank ethics. I'm not sure that makes them... Better or worse, from worse from our point of view. Oh dear, uh, I know, it's just crazy. I mean, uh, you're going to get caught. There's always the Part Four A section of the Tax Act, which is so sweeping that any attempt to not pay taxes is an illegal illegal thing to do. So it doesn't take long for a precedent to be set to something new. This is like the what was it called? The Fonseca, the Mossack Fonseca, yeah. Mossack Fonseca. There was another set of papers for those. I'm trying to they repeat the Panama Papers. Panama Papers. We've also had the uh, Pacific Pentagon Papers. papers. Paradise yeah. Papers came out. No, you know, just in the last couple of years with these offshore companies, we had the Panama mm. Papers as well. Or the, sorry, the Pacific Papers. Just talking about the Westpac guy, I read a quote that I posted on my Life of Caesar podcast Facebook page. It was taken out of the Financial Review, just trying to grab it here. It was a great quote I liked. Yeah, there was a quote from Jeffrey Wilson, SC, a barrister, director, a director of the Centre for Public Integrity, said, should someone have a super fund in Samoa, I would have a gut reaction. Well, of course not. A director of a bank is like Caesar's wife. They have to appear above reproach. You know the story about Caesar's wife? And Caesar's wife was seen not to be above reproach. Yeah. Yeah, I do recall it. There was a <laughs> guy called Clodius dressed up in woman's clothing at a woman's only secret cult meeting at Caesar's house when Caesar wasn't there. And he said, hey, I never touched her, nothing went on, but there was a rumour going around Rome that uh, he was stooping Caesar's wife. So Caesar divorced his wife and said Caesar's wife must be above suspicion at all times. And she said, hey, look, I'm just hanging around with girls. What's Okay, okay I just thought he was an ugly-looking yeah. girl. I didn't know. <laughs> Let's talk about QAV and downturns, Tony, because there's a lot of articles hitting the media. I posted one yeah. or two up on our Facebook page about the, the doom and gloom. Global markets are in mm. for a bumpy ride in the days and months ahead, according to the ABC, a sort of a combination of mm-hmm. – Supply issues with shipping costs going up and and just ships not being able to move because of Delta, I read. You've got the whole China Evergrande financial concerns. You've got uh, Delta just running havoc around the world. US Congress not able to agree on anything and they're going to run out of money in a couple of weeks, as usual. All (laughs) sorts of things going on out there. And of course, as you said a couple of weeks ago on the show, historically crashes happen in October, although there's no real science behind why that would be, except I think you talked about going away and coming back in the US. But I wanted to point out for new listeners, the people that weren't with us 
when we went through the COVID cough last year, QAV actually does well. It helps us <laughs> ride through downturns. And in fact, we, we kind of love downturns. We don't love them because they have a terrible effect on people's livelihoods and their jobs and their savings. And so it's it's a negative thing for many, many people. So it's not like we're celebrating, but in terms of investing, it's actually a good time to be investing if you have rules that guide you through the, both the downturn Correct. to minimise losses and also how to get in quickly when it turns around. The three-point trend line is meant to help us sell high and buy low. It won't get us out at the top of the market, but it'll get us out at the top of the way down. And it won't get us in at the bottom of the market, but it'll get us in at the bottom of the mm. turn up. So we'll miss the top 10, 20% of either turns, but we'll get out and we'll get back in at the right times. And that's the essence of investing. It's sell high I've and tried, buy I don't low. recommend that. I've tried selling really? high and I just end up, you know, listening <laughs> to Pink Floyd and watching uh, The Wizard of Oz and I just get distracted really easy. <laughs> you go, what was I doing? Get, what was get I doing the there? <laughs> I had the benefit and the experience, the adventure of working on QAV with you through the COVID cough last year and it was really enlightening and also kind of assuring and calming to know, okay, well, I don't need to panic. I don't need to worry. There's, you know, we just follow the rules. Yeah. And that's the real, I mean, okay. So the beauty of it is there's a set of rules so we can take our emotions out of it, but that's the beauty is taking the emotions yeah. out of it. Because if you remember back to the COVID cough, you know, the market turned down, everything was shutting down. No one knew how many deaths were going to happen. There was forecasts out there. There could be a million people dying in Australia. and It was complete doom and gloom. And then people were asking us, okay, we sold out. When do we buy back in? How long did the GFC take? And I said, well, GFC took, you know, 18 months to two years to, to buy back in. We could be sitting on the sidelines mm. for a while here. And, but then, you know, within about mm-hmm. a month, maybe six weeks, we were starting to buy mm. back in. So I never saw that coming. I could never have forecast mm. any of that, but the numbers mm. told us to do it and it worked out yeah. really well for us. For new folks out there, it's not a scary thing, I guess. I put it that way for me with QAV. It's not a scary thing. And it's a fact of life. I mean, if I think about the times I've been invested from, you know, the long-term management capital debt crash, the Asian financial crash, the emerging countries financial crash, the Greek default, 9-11, Iraq 1, Iraq War 2, the list goes on and on and on and on. Markets go through ups and downs. You just have to have a framework for dealing with it. Well, I thought you were going to add marketing it's- the Messiah to your list of great tragedies there. <laughs> great downturn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Titanic marketing Messiah. <laughs> Psychopath of <epidemic>. it. <laughs> Speaking of downturns, your stock of the week last week was Meyer, and you said you might want to sell it if you hold it. And I jokingly said, uh, don't jinx it. Well, you jinxed it. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> what happened to Meyer, Tony? <laughs> oh, I still haven't really worked it out completely, like logically anyway, but, but uh, Wilson Asset Management, which is uh, led by Jeff Wilson, sold off part of their stake. And this is a bit of an old fund manager trick so people should be aware of that you only have to notify the ASX when you buy and sell shares if you're an insider or if you hold more than 5% of the market cap. So Wilson Asset Management has sold down from seven back to five. And the, the trick is that then lets them sell the other five whenever they like without having to notify the market about what they're doing. So that can be an advantage to Wilson Asset Management. But yeah, it's um, they've sold the 2% they had or roughly 2% they had above 5%. Their stated reason for doing that was its share price has doubled since they bought it, which is true, just as it has for you know QAV 
listeners who were bought in when it appeared on the buy list, first of all. And Boston Asset Management wanted to take some profits. So, you know, other than that, and the fact that they sold a big block actually did lower the share price. So you can't go out into the market and ask for someone to buy 2% of the company and not offer them a discount to the current share price. So that was one reason why the share price dropped. But other than that, people have been trying to read into it. Oh, it's good for Solilu. It's bad for Solilu. It's good for Mara. It's bad for Mara. It's just one guy selling 2% of his shares. It's like, or 2% of the market cap selling his shares. It wasn't a big deal to Wilson Asset Management. They've got, you know, over a billion dollars invested in various companies and Mara wasn't a material part of that holding for them. And nor I don't think is a big deal for Mara. The big lesson I think out of all of this is that Jeff Wilson obviously listens to this show. (laughs) When you picked it, he was like, oh, I'm out and sold it straight away. So thanks a lot, Jeff. Yeah, quite possibly. (laughs) Yeah, so watch out for New Hope Coal and for Clearview. Well, I just checked New Hope Coal's already down 0.41% since uh, this morning. So (laughs) we have the show hasn't even gone out yet. It's already taken effect. I tell you, they've bugged your offices. Someone's bugged your offices. Let's talk about SDG if we can. It went ex-dividend last Thursday. I was going to sell it. I own it in one of my portfolios. I was going to sell it as a rule one until I realized a dividend. And thank you to whoever it was in our Facebook group recently who pointed out that there's a feature in Stock Doctor where you can add dividends to the advanced charting. So it'll appear right there. It's very easy to spot the dividend and it gives you the details of when it went X and when it was paid. That's very helpful. But I still was a little bit unsure about the calculation. I ended up figuring it was probably above its sell line if I factored the dividend back in. Can you walk me through again just how to do that properly? I got a little bit lost with the franking part of it. Yeah. So all we're trying to do is work out what the dividend's worth to you after tax. With the the dividend is is coming to you after the company has paid tax on the profit. So dividend are paid from profit, right? Yeah. Usually there are cases where a company hasn't made money but it has paid a dividend out of its reserves from its balance sheet, the cash it holds on its balance sheet. But they're generally paid from profits. And generally those profits have already had 30% tax paid on them. And so the law in Australia is that when you receive a dividend from an Australian company that's paid tax, then you get a credit for the tax that's already paid. So it's like it's coming to you as an, a share of an untaxed profit of the company. And then it's up to your financial status, how you're taxed on that basis. But it's basically like saying you know, you're an employee and you get paid a gross amount of dollars, but then they take tax out, you're getting a tax back and then they'll take tax out when you put your tax return in. So it's like a two-step process for you. Yeah. So what I do is to add that tax back in to work out what the gross payment is to me when I'm working out how much to add back to the price to take into account the effect of the dividend. And I do that by dividing by 0.7, the dividend per share by 0.7. And that adds 30% back to the um, dividend price. Okay. So divide by 0.7. Yeah, which adds 30% back to the dividend price. Can I just walk through SDG with you? Because I'm not sure if I follow your numbers. (laughs) So I'm just going to call it up in Stock Doctor. If you look at the, there's a dividend page in Stock Doctor, which is along the second of the command lines on the front page, it says DIV, and that tells me that dividend was, X date was the 14th of September, but paid on the 30th of September. It was a four, four cents per share dividend, which grosses up to, I think, about 5.7 cents per share. Well, I got 20 cents a share. I only get four cents a share. Yeah, so this is a trick. So go into the dividend page. You've got the annual amount. You need the half amount. Oh, no, sorry. No, I'm wrong. Sorry. There was a special dividend paid on the 14th of September as well of 16 cents. Sorry, you're right. I got that wrong. 
There were two dividends paid on the 14th of September, totaling 20 cents. Right. How much of that you get is going to depend on how long you've owned the shares. You do have to hold a share for 45 days to claim the franking credit. That's the law. So you've got to test for that. Which, but if you held the share on the 14th of September, you got 20 cents a share. Okay. Good. Well, I did get 20 cents a share. There. I would take the 20 cents mm-hmm. and divide it by 0.7. Mm-hmm. Divided by 0.7, they give me 285.285. And so the price at the time was 238. 2.38 plus 0.285 gives me 2.665. I had the sell at the time of about $2. Hang on. So let me just stop you there. So... The calculation should be the the sell price should have dividend taken off it. One reason why I'm confused is I have a very low sell price for Sunland, so I'm not even sure why you're doing this. Yeah, I'm not sure either now. I've just pulled it out. <laughs> I've got a sell price of around about $2.20. I've got one even lower, $1.76. Right, but it was a rule one is what I said. Oh, okay. So what's, what's your rule one price then? What's your sell yeah, price? I don't know. So you need to take the, the grossed up dividend off your, sell, your rule one price is what I'm saying. Yeah, or take it off or add it yeah. to Take it off. So you're selling it for a lower price because you've got the dividend back. So in other words, if the sell price was $2 on this share and it, it dropped after it went ex-dividend, but then you add back the dividend per share, you're above the sell price. Or if you take off the dividend per share from the sell price, the share price is above the sell price. All right, I bought it at $2.67. Okay. So it had come back, I think, 10% below that. So it triggered my rule one alert. Which is going to be about 26 cents off that. So it's going to be around $2.40. $2.40. Yep. And so I figured I had a dividend coming. Yes. So take it off $2.40. Take it off. Yeah, because you wanted the sell to be at a lower price because you've got the- Oh, you're working out the sell. Right. Okay. So what I'm doing, I'm thinking the other way around. I'm going, well- it says the current price is two forty, but I'm actually getting two sixty eight for it because I've got a dividend. Oh so, right, yeah. yeah. Sorry, you can you can do it same way around. Okay. Too, yeah. So either way, it would have stayed just above my buy price. Above. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Right. What is it today? So the only other comment I want to make after confusing everyone, sorry about that, is I think that dividend's been paid now. Yeah. Yeah. The 30th. and the price today is two forty one still, and that's above your sell price. Just. Yeah. By one cent. Just, okay. Yeah. That's generally what I do is when the dividend gets paid, I don't deduct it from my price calculations. Right. But what I'm finding with a couple of the shares I hold now is that they're taking a bit longer to turn back up. So I'm not sure if, if the investors who want dividends and franking credits are waiting for 45 days and we have to wait for 45 days or what. But I am seeing, just to call it out, in most halves and every other half I can think of, the dividends rebound before you get paid. But this time, the sort of sell-off is hanging around a bit, which could be a part of what we talked about before. The market's getting sketchy, or it could be because people are waiting 45 days before they sell to get their franking credits. I'm not sure. Well, according to Stock Doctor, the current price is, my investment in it is down 2.25% from when I bought it. So it's well above okay. my 10% yeah. thing, okay. even with all of that taken into account. Yep. I'm going to have to do a spreadsheet so I don't have to try and remember how to do this every time. <laughs> Let's talk about AMI if we can, because what did we spend three hours this morning talking about Josephine? Yeah, about. It was insane. Yep. I told people when I published the list today in Facebook, for people who didn't see that, for our club buy list, the full buy list each week. Starting next week, we're not going to filter out the Josephines or even really list the Josephines, because what we found over the last couple of weeks in doing that is we'll spend our entire weekends doing the buy list based on the closing <laughs> price on Friday. And then by lunchtime Monday, 
things have moved, some things that weren't Josephine's have become Josephine's, some things yeah. that have were Josephine's on Sunday by lunchtime Monday, and then we're frantically trying to rejig the whole thing. And you said to me, well, look, this is ridiculous. Just tell everyone to do what I do, which is before you buy it, just check. If it's a Josephine, if it's having a down day, don't buy it. So I think that makes sense, both from the point of view of it's a big workload doing it for the full buy list of nearly 100 stocks and doing it manually for those. Try to do it in an automated sense, but then you really struggle to get the rules right for that and we haven't sort of landed on that square yet. So yeah, I mean, I've never made it part of my download before and I think it's fine to take it out and just make it a part of the buying process for people. Yeah, I mean, we already tell people, check the price before you buy because it might have moved, so... It's just part of that. But let's talk about AMI, Aurelia Metals, because this is one that we went over a bit chat this morning. And I know that our thinking on Josephine's is is sort of fluid at the moment, but this was an instructive one. So if people pull up AMI chart, if you're sitting at your desk, and if not, just imagine it, just uh, do a Queen's Gambit, stare up at the ceiling, and you'll be able to see it appear <laughs> for you. Apparently, that's how it works. Well, we can make a quick description of the AMI graph. It's one of those graphs where the highest point is in the middle. So it rose dramatically for a couple of years, and then it's been falling for a couple of years. It's had a couple of peaks on the way down. So like it, it's sort of you can draw almost like a trough along the mm. tops, a straight line across all the tops of the peaks. Mm. It hasn't broken above that. It hasn't reached its cell line yet, but it's very close. You know how I describe it? It's yeah, a Gladys. That's what it is. Hit at a peak a couple of years ago. It was looking, it was looking really strong. And then it's fallen a long way from that peak. Had a couple of little bumps along the way, but now it's you know plummeting. Its credibility is plummeting. It's just got a little tick up at the end here, probably because it's resigned and it's like, oh, don't have to worry about presses doing presses every morning talking about our COVID deaths. Thank God for that. Somebody else's problem now. That's what it is. It's a Gladys. Told you I was going to work that anyway, into something today, didn't I? <laughs> you did. Yeah, you did. So, yeah, people can think of it as being like an upside-down V and on the way down of the V there's a couple of peaks before it gets to the bottom. Yes. That's AMI. So the problem that we had this morning was you had it as a Josephine, I didn't, and my mm-hmm. argument for it not being a Josephine is that it closed uh, September at $0.30, cents. This morning, it's at 32 cents. It's picked up a little bit. So I was asking the question, and I think somebody else has asked this recently too, you know, when do we come out of a Josephine? It's a falling knife. It has been, as you said, more or less consistently since March 2019. It's popped up a few times. It rebounded after COVID, back down, up a bit, back down. How do we know when to buy back in? Obviously, it's not any uptick because you still classified it as a Josephine this morning. And then you reminded me of the second byline rule or fudge or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's not really a rule. It's just a sort of working hypothesis at the moment. I think it's worthwhile pointing out that if you use the byline follows the sell line, the real metals has been a buy for a while because prior to the COVID cough, it was a sell on the way down towards the COVID cough. But then if you draw a byline after that, which means the sell line gets redrawn using the COVID cough as L2. And so even though the share price went all the way back up to about 55 cents after the COVID cough, it's back down to 32 today. And its sell price is about 28. So it's just sort of been declining since the upturn after the COVID cough. So that's why I call it a, a Josephine. It's it's in a, I mean, you can see it just using common sense. It's in a falling knife situation. It's it's trending down towards its byline. However, as you point out, in the last couple of days, it's been an uptrend. Oh, sell line, sorry. In the last couple of days, it's been an uptrend. So what I said I often do in these situations to try and confirm an uptrend is to draw a new byline. So 
it's like, you know, if you were approaching this from fresh and we're just using H1 as the highest peak and H2 as the next highest peak to the right, you draw a, a byline and H2 would have been one of the intermediate peaks at J- July 2020. And you can see a peak to the right of that. So you redraw using H2 at May 21. And that byline gives you a buy price of around 36 cents. And so it's kind of been a working hypothesis of mine, I guess a, a bit of a fairly unrigorous test. But anyway, I, I would consider that Aurelia, sorry, was back into a, a non-Josephine state if, if it went above that 36 cents. So what we're going to have to call a Napoleon state. A Napoleon state. Has to state. break through the yeah. Napoleon line. If Josephine wants to get it on, she's got to break through Napoleon. He's got to agree to it. That's the Napoleon line. Up until now, Napoleon's been dressing up as a girl and going into uh, <laughs> Josephine's sewing circle. <laughs> no, he was just going on campaign and sleeping with mistresses in Poland. But... Right. I haven't done enough research on this. I've certainly found cases where it doesn't apply, and we spoke about that a bit this morning. With If you look at the Fortescue Metals graph, it's one of those graphs that go from the from low to the left to high to the right, so it's very hard to draw a recent byline mm. on that one until the very mm. end when you had a high peak and then a lower peak to the right because on the way up it just kept having higher peaks to the right so you couldn't Mm. do it. When it sort of turned down, as they all do, the stock price graph isn't going to go straight up or at an even 45-degree angle. It's always going to have bumps and rises. My my only sort of hard and fast rule is not to buy things on a a day when they downturn because you don't know if it's going to be the start of a downtrend or not. Yeah, right. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. There's your free half hour. Uh, On the premium edition, the club edition, We also talk about when to buy back into iron ore stocks like FNG. We talk about the uh, sentiment for Santos, STO and oil prices at the moment. Our submission to the Australian Shareholders Association for getting changes done to the uh, 4E. Why RIC, Tony thinks, is a get-in-quick stock. Why BXB and ANN dropped quickly recently. Investment structures if you're living off the dividends like Tony is now for the first time. And whether or not Tony would consider investing in something like BBUS or BBOS, a couple of uh, ETFs. So if you're brand new to the show, uh, just an explanation. We have a free episode and a premium episode each week. The premium episode usually goes for about another hour. It's about 90 minutes long. And we answer a lot of questions from our QAV Club members. So we have a thing called QAV Club where uh, people get to ask questions. They get longer episodes. They get to be part of our private Facebook group. They get to come to VIP dinners and be on VIP Zoom calls with Tony where we talk about stuff and explain stuff investing related uh, and a bunch of other benefits. So uh, if you're interested in checking that out, if you kind of want to get more serious about your investing, go to our website, qavpodcast.com.au. Sign up to the free trial. There's a two-week free trial. You can get access to the Bible and all this kind of stuff that we have and uh, all the other club member resources and, and decide whether or not you think it's right for you. You get access to the checklist and you get access to our full buy list, our scorecard that we publish uh, every week now where Tony and I sit down and do our analysis of the entire stock exchange and we put out a list that's normally 25 to 35 stocks long that get a good score on our scorecard that you can have a look at for your own investing, etc. Check it out, qavpodcast.com.au. Um, but Or you can just keep listening to the free episodes forever. It's up to you, no problem. All right, take care, have a great week, and we'll be back uh, next week. Q 
UAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.